0: You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello everyone and welcome back to Swipe East Swipe West, the dating podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host Ashley and you can find us on Instagram at Swipe east, Swipe West. I hope all of you ghosts and ghouls had a absolutely fantastic, spooky, haunted, whatever you wanted it to be, Halloween weekend. I actually kept mine pretty low key aside from seeing my friend Dave, who is actually the guest on this episode this week, play his first return to music post-pandemic live set in downtown LA and he absolutely killed it no pun intended Dave is a DJ producer in the techno world um, so if you haven't checked him out Dave Castellani you definitely should even if you are a techno head not a techno head um, he's actually really amazing um, in what he does is he uses modules modulars I'm probably butchering that sorry Dave and I actually myself used to the hate techno um, until I moved to the LA area and all my friends were into it and they got me into it especially live it's super fun this is not sponsored by the way I just love supporting all of my friends in the art scene so um, Dave is one of them and he actually has um, a new EP electrochemical that just came out for purchase on Beatport it's streaming on Spotify and it'll be out in all other retailers November 12th so just check it out see maybe it will be your cup of tea I don't know but power to you Dave congrats and other than that no life other updates um again like I'll let you know when I have one just been a little slow with my surgery recovery but diving into the podcast so last week we had another good friend of mine in the arts um Jack Moody who also has his own podcast The Neighbors Upstairs so if you haven't checked that out definitely recommend he is hysterical and he came on talking about his experiences living and dating in New York City. So talked about dating apps and how that leads to insecurities. Um, He shared a a couple of pretty horrible dating stories. Sorry, you had to go through that, Jack. And also talked about um, how there's a focus on education status and how that leads to decision-making skills and um, pandemic dating, especially in New York, and some issues with vaccination status. And there's a lot of things. And he also made fun of me for my views on dating in LA a little bit. So Um, Definitely check it out if you haven't already. But this week we have Dave on and he's going to be talking about his experience living and dating in Chicago. It's a bit of a lens on the underground music scene um, dating. And we're also actually going to be talking a lot about just opinions on love in general and dating and being open-minded, which is something that I personally struggle with. So lots of good conversations there. And Dave's going to share some experiences working at a marketing firm that promoted a company that tried to help men that had anxiety with dating, you know, overcome that to be better with dating women. So lots of topics there. Um, Dave's also going to give me some tips on love advice, which Jack did too. So loving all these tips for my male friends. Um, So let's dive right into it. And this week I have my friend Dave Castellani with me. How are you doing, Dave?
1: Doing great. Thank you.
2: Awesome. I know you're launching an EP soon, right?
1: Yes, I have uh, the third EP that's coming out on my new record label called Noetic, and um, it's called Electrochemical, and it's going to be out in about a month.
2: Awesome. That I'm super excited for that. If you haven't checked out Dave's music, you definitely should. But I'm also excited to have him here to talk about dating and living in Chicago. So I know, Dave, you moved there when you were around 10, right?
1: Correct. So I moved there. Uh, I was originally born and raised in Italy, and then I moved to Chicago when I was about 10 years old with my parents and lived there um, up until about four years ago, so quite a while, so I'm I'm 29 now. I mean, 39. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I was 29. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah yeah and so i know dave um because he lives now in um la area and we've become friends because he is dating one of my good friends that i matched with on Bumble bff but dave i want to know like what was chicago like uh, like how would you describe that city to someone
1: um you mean just in general outside of dating
2: yeah in general let's set the
1: stage Chicago's a really really beautiful beautiful city honestly i feel really lucky that i got uh, a chance to live there for so long it's um, it's kind of a unique city because it's really got that really kind of big urban downtown area like you kind of see, you know, with like New York and those big um, metropolitan areas, you know, lots of big buildings and everything's always constantly going on. But at the same time, it kind of has a little bit more of like a smaller city vibe in the sense that people are more, kind of more approachable, I think, and um, you kind of end up you know, seeing the same people a lot more than you would expect in a place that's so large. The city obviously is, is, it's just like a marvel in a lot of beautiful ways. You know, it's it's on Lake Michigan, you know, which looks almost like a sea, you know, you can't see the other side. So it's beautiful, big coast. And then it's one of the, the birthplaces of a lot of modern architecture in Chicago. So there's a lot of history there with all the buildings and you know, we had the Sears Tower for a long time, which is now the Willis Tower, which used to be the tallest building in the world for many years. You know, Franklin Wright, which is a big architect from there. Miss um, Vandero, which was kind of the beginning of the modernist uh, architecture movement, was, was from there as well. So he started a school there. Actually, I don't think he was originally from there, but he lived there and had a school there for a long time. So the city kind of budged into this really beautiful, beautiful place, you know. Um, it's also kept really well. It's very clean. Now, Obviously, I'm, I'm talking about kind of like the main downtown area. Obviously, you know, everybody knows Chicago has a lot of bad sides to it, too. But um, overall, it was just a really beautiful place, you know, short of the cold winters, which is, is can be tough if you're not used to them. Um, I think it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world.
2: Yeah, I've been to Chicago a couple times. I feel like at the very beginning of when it was starting to get cold, like September and then near like the tail end in March time. So I feel like I miss all of that. But when I went, um, I felt it was very like neighborhoody. Like I, I know, like New York, you know, it is is as well. But I also feel like it's very like bustling everywhere. But I did find like there was like kind of pockets that were a lot more quiet than like the actual downtown area. I don't know if you agree with that statement at all.
1: Yeah. You know, it's kind of an interesting area because unlike New York, you know, with New York, you have Manhattan that kind of, you know, confines the city um, to a certain space. And um, obviously New York is, is bigger and more sprawled out, but um, without having that kind of like geographical confinement minus the lake, uh, you really do have outside of the downtown and, you know, it's still considered city. You're still really close to the downtown. When I, When I say downtown, you know, it's like the big giant buildings, but besides that you have just like, you know, miles and miles and miles and miles of, of, of neighborhoods, you know, that are, they're mostly a lot of really, really, really beautiful ones, you know, and I actually lived in an area called Bucktown, which a lot of people know if you're from that area, which is kind of just like west of the downtown. And it was just, you know, when I moved there originally, which was in like 2002, uh, my street was still kind of a little rough, you know, there was kind of some shady houses and, you know, it it was still kind of getting cleaned up, but, uh, By the time I left, it was, you know, an unbelievably beautiful neighborhood with, you know, a lot of really great families and um, really safe in general. So it definitely is a lot of that, you know, and there's a lot of family orientation in Chicago. I think it's kind of a particular city in that sense, I think, for being such a big place.
2: And then how would you describe the people there? Um, Do you think that they fit into this like stereotypical Midwest mentality, like everyone's super nice or is it a lot of transplants there?
1: Um, no, there definitely is um, that midwestern feel there. Everybody is generally very nice. Um, it, it's hard to kind of compare it you know to, to you know everything's a comparison, I guess is what I mean is um, you know depending from LA uh, you know to New York or even to Italy where I'm originally from, there definitely are some big differences. I think that from the time that I've spent like for instance in like New York, you know it's kind of harder to start talking to people on the street randomly, you know, or like asking for help. It seems like in New York people are kind of busier and they have places to be more in Chicago. It's a little bit slower paced in that sense. Um, and that's kind of what I was saying about before. A lot of people kind of described it as kind of like the, the, the biggest town in the world, you know, because you really do have kind of that sense of ability to get close to strangers faster and people are willing to help more. And it's probably also a big part of, you know, just being the Midwest, you know.
2: So as far as dating goes, do you think that makes it easier there? or no?
1: Honestly, I would say that probably, I guess, yeah, I think, you know, it it makes it easier if if generally people are are more open to being, you know, uh, connected with strangers and and more interested in talking to people they don't know. So kind of that initial ice breaking stage of of dating, I guess, can come easier. There's also this, like, interesting thing that happens in Chicago, even though it's a really big city, um, it kind of feels like all the circles are, are tighter um in the sense that like if you're in a specific scene, you know, like let's like say you're in like an electronic music scene or whatever, there's still a handful of places that everybody goes and you you kind of run into the same people over and over again. So it's pretty easy to kind of make friends and kind of find crews and and find places to hang out within that kind of social structure. I'm sure you know that can vary, you know, once you start talking about other types of people, you know, I'm not really exactly sure how like, you know, the financial district dating world is in Chicago or anything like that, but I do think that it was a pretty straightforward and open place uh, when it came to dating. I should say though that, like you know, in Italy as well, um, I, I felt it also being that same way there, if not actually more open. You know, I've been listening to your podcast a lot. And I've been kind of hearing your your explanations of the differences between you know Philly and here, and having those differences. And, and to be upfront and fair, I have not really been in the dating scene in LA because when I moved here, I was already dating. Brittany and you know we've been together ever since so I haven't had a chance to really explore it that way but I can see how the geographical difficulties of LA can make it much harder for people to connect on a deeper level and, and, and make it easier and facilitate it for people to be able to to hang out more you know unless you're really just going to date someone that's like in your area it's really hard and and I see that even outside of just like dating with like my friends you know it's like I have friends that live all over LA, but I see them, you know, pretty scarcely as opposed to the the, the people that are close by.
2: Yeah, uh, that's definitely a barrier here for sure, especially with traffic and everything like that. And the public transportation issue, because I feel like even in Chicago, at least when I was there, um, like there were some areas that maybe were a little bit farther away, but you could hop on the train or Ubers weren't like, ridiculously expensive unless you were coming from the opposite end to maybe like wrigley field or something like that um so it was a lot easier to get around at least from when i was there
1: yeah yeah the train system in chicago is really really strong so it's uh you know it's not quite as built up as like new york but it it almost is and it pretty much takes anywhere you need to be in in the in like the main city area um, so it's really, and it's really affordable and, you know, it runs all night long pretty much. So you, you, it's really easy to get around. Another thing that's actually really interesting to, 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 to say about Chicago, which is, uh, is kind of how the city is set up as far as the streets and the grid, you know, there was a famous fire in Chicago in, in 1871 that burnt down most of the city and that gave them a chance to rebuild. And when they rebuilt it, they did a really good job on building it pretty much in a very straight grid uh which makes it pretty easy to move around you know it's not like la where it's like you know a mess it's like there's a bunch of different streets that are all intersecting in all sorts of weird ways which makes it harder for traffic to move around and makes it easier for for traffic to build up you know
2: yeah and then going back to what you said about people kind of like staying within like their group or circle um did you happen like find with dating that was still the case like were people ever like going out of their circle, or people bringing new people into their circle, was a kind of like incestual, for lack of a better term, like within a certain group.
1: Um, no, I wouldn't go that far. It definitely is, you know. It's still a big city, you know. There's, uh, you know, I think it's the third largest city in America, and uh, you know, there's millions and millions of people around. So it definitely wasn't the type of city, you know, when you just got like a tight click and that's it, you know. And like people don't get invited into. Yeah. Um, there's always new people that are kind of ending up in bars, and then you know meeting people that then have a larger group of friends that are in that in that space and um so there definitely was a lot of transience i guess uh, of dating um both from i think people just kind of wandering into scenes you know and again i'm i'm speaking specifically about my scene and like you know the where i was hanging out and the group of friends i had but you know you, there's three or four clubs and you know that everyone goes to there's three or four like promoters that throw Events, you know, that everyone goes to, and then within that, you know, there's a group of people that know each other, and there's three or four homes where people will have after parties and stuff like that. So pretty much, you know, those were the places where we'd all hang out. But there'd always be some, you know, random person that would walk in, or many random people that would walk into one of these clubs and one of these events on a random night that was in Chicago that maybe hadn't been exposed to that type of music yet, hadn't really made um, the connections within those groups yet, and then also, you know, maybe was transitioning into that scene you know from something else that they were you know doing before um so there was a lot of that you know moving around and then also of course with the age of internet dating and you know all the, all the apps and stuff like that it really kind of spread open the ability to connect with people outside of your you know tightly knit social circle so i wouldn't call it that like incestual you know but um at the same time it was definitely the type of situation where you know, you were often seeing the same people and, and, you know, kind of like ended up in the same type of settings with the same groups of people.
2: No, that's fair. That makes sense too. Um, Because I I feel like even in Philly that happened because I I feel like Philly is more similar to Chicago. It's definitely, I think a much smaller city, but there is definitely situations where like you end up hanging with the same crowd of people, or you kind of are circuiting the same like three or four bars and you see the same people within those bars or the same type of people. So yeah, maybe it's not like, you know, you're sleeping around the same friend group, but it's kind of like the same type of like crowd.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's generally kind of how it works, I would assume, in in most like kind of underground scenes too, you know, if you're like a, a young person and you, you know, you're into this type of music, you're most likely going to end up at these type of places and, you know, kind of have that type of setting. I can see how here in LA, it might be a little bit different, but generally speaking, I think also like if you live in Hollywood or whatever, you know, and you're in kind of that like trashy clubs you know whatever you're probably going to see the same people at those five trashy clubs all the time
2: yeah i was gonna say i feel like in la you could make it that way or you could not like if you if you go to the exactly what you just said if you're going to those same like three or four places like yeah you're probably gonna you know s- see those same people with with the exception of the you know a couple people in and out um but there's so many other areas to go to and also like day trips you can take like joshua tree is like you know, a couple hours away or San Diego, um, that you don't have to frequent it that often because there's so many other areas you
1: could go to. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, and, and it's, it's interesting. Chicago is kind of a weird place too, because it's, it's, it's really big, you know? So like, even if you're, let's say in more of like the commercial, like club scene, um, you know, there's like a hundred commercial clubs, you know? So like, there's a big, big scene all around. And sure, there's like those four or five, like in that special area or that like, you know, Monday night has everyone goes there or whatever. But there's still kind of a big space for people to move around, even though you still kind of end up in the same type of crowds. You know what I mean? It's, um, I yeah. don't, I'm, I'm explaining myself properly, but, you know, for instance, like, let's say like, you know, Milwaukee, which is, you know, an hour north of Chicago, a little bit more an hour north of Chicago you know, is, is a big place for people from Milwaukee to come down to Chicago, you know, because Milwaukee is a great city, but it's also, you know, a little bit smaller. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in Chicago all the time. So people come down and surely, you know, within a couple of the crew, people from, from Milwaukee started coming down and met a couple friends, you know, that were kind of in my crew. And then pretty much in the course of a couple months, we had like, you know, 50 new friends because all of the Milwaukee crew ended up coming down being part of our crew and britney for instance is from milwaukee you know and like so it was really quick and then all of a sudden you know it's like you know i'm dating britney now i have you know 40 new friends from milwaukee and we're all still kind of hanging out in the same circle in the same places you know so it's kind of this concept of there being a lot of space and a lot of room but then also people kind of diverging in in similar places and settings
2: that definitely makes sense and also disclaimer. I'm terrible at geography and I had no idea Milwaukee was so close to Chicago until I met Brittany and she told me the story and I'm like Wisconsin like that's so far and then when I like looked it up on a map I was like Milwaukee's not that far from Chicago
1: (laughs) yeah yeah Chicago's like almost at the border it's like at the north uh end of Illinois you know we're like almost at the edge so and then Milwaukee is like one of the first places once you get into into Wisconsin.
2: Yeah, that was interesting to me.
0: <laughs>
1: I had no yeah. idea.
2: And then another question for you, would you say Chicago is more of a relationship-focused city, hookup culture, or a combination?
1: I would definitely say it's a combination. And, um, you know, I know that um, this is a, an important part of kind of like the way that you've been discovering, you know, with other people that you've been talking to and kind of this concept of whether places tend to be more hookups or more love you know, more like long term love, I guess I, you know, I could be wrong, but I'm a pretty strict believer that I think in general, anywhere you go, there's, there's a lot of people that want both. I do see how like, in certain situations, it could be harder to maybe find people that are more interested in long term love. But I find that 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 generally, like, you know, that's kind of a, a, a natural thing, depending on where you are in your life and kind of how your upbringing was, um, whether you're interested in something that's going to be long-term and committed or not. So I, I would say that it, it definitely is a mix for Chicago. And I, I would want to argue that also in places maybe where that's not so apparent, it's maybe because of the surrounding situations and maybe, you know, things like the ability to see people often or stuff like that, that maybe one or the other doesn't flourish as much. You know, And I'm saying that more because I've, I've spent a lot of time in my life thinking about love a lot. And I worked, you know, like um, I worked for a company that, you know, kind of dealt with this stuff and thought about it. And just outside of that, I, you know, have been in a lot of long-term relationships, you know, before Brittany, I was in four other relationships that were over three years. Some were five, two of them were five. So there've been a lot of long relationships. I've also spent a long time being single single and uh, having, you know, a lot of fun and freedom in between those relationships, you know? And I've always been very focused on kind of how love has worked in my life and almost over analytical at times about how it works and, you know, how to understand it properly so that I can get to a point that I am happy with my situation in love, whether that meant being single at times and having fun and having, you know, more careless relationships with people or when it was time for me to want to be in more committed relationships. And through that process, I've spent a lot of time really kind of thinking about like how love works and where people get their like drive to to be with other people, um, how intimacy works within our society, how intimacy works within ourselves, how that's affected by your childhood and your upbringing how that's affected by your surroundings and your friends, how it's affected by your own expectations of yourself. And it's something that I've actually been really fascinated about um, a lot in my life. Um, that's why I was you know, excited also to come and talk to you about this stuff because it's something that I've thought about a lot. And I feel really blessed now that I've been able to find someone that I'm really happy with and that we have a really strong bond where our core values are, are really in line with each other. So being with Brittany is, is pretty effortless. You know, it's it's actually pretty amazing how little we fight or butt heads, um, how easy it is for us to be together. And I know that that's something that's very hard to find. And I went through a lot of relationships for this with people that I really thought, you know, I was ready to spend the rest of my life with, you know, I would have done anything. And if it wasn't, honestly, almost for all of those relationships, if it wasn't for something that that person did to kind of break us apart. Um, I probably would have still been committed in them um, because in the end, I'm 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 looking for that m- most, you know. I'm um, like I had fun being single and, and and single, not signal. But in the end, in my core, I'm I'm someone that wants to be in a committed relationship. And I think that through the process that I had, you know, it's like I would be in these relationships for years and years, and then you know, for whatever reason, they they start you know having their problems, they fall apart. And almost every time, you know, I end up like, you know, this in front of like my computer listening to like, you know, Fiona Apple for two weeks crying and being like, you know, what the fuck, you know, I'm pouring everything into this. And then after like three or four of those, I was like, all right, I can't fucking do this anymore. You know, like I'm sick of like investing all this time and this energy, uh, you know, and really, really, really just like, you know, counting on something and putting everything I have into it only for it to end up, you know, falling apart. So then after, you know, two or three or four of those also coinciding with, you know, a lot of thinking about, you know, what makes a relationship work and, you know, what are the, what's the science behind attraction and behind, you know, expectations and all that. I was like, you know, I think maybe I need to change the way that I'm approaching this in some way, you know, maybe there's something that I could be doing differently and thinking about this in a different way. That's going to be more beneficial to me actually finding a partner that is not going to put me through this, this same, you know, hurtful process again. And I think that in part, it was luck, you know, because obviously, it's very hard to really find someone that you're really compatible with. It's also really hard to really understand and see clearly at the beginning of relationships, you know, because of infatuation and because of the way that people act at the beginning of a relationship as opposed to when they get used to it and they kind of settle down. So part of it was luck that I, I ended up dating someone that ended up actually being more compatible with me in the long run. But there also was a, a big push on myself to try to really reorganize and understanding of what it is that I thought I wanted and understand, you know, what it is that I'm looking for from someone, um, what are the values that I'm really interested in. Um, and I think that if you do that, Um, in general, which is not easy to do, and you can do it honestly, you might find that some of the things you thought you wanted, or some of the things that you thought were important to you actually aren't. And you could be missing out on understanding what it is that actually is going to make you really happy in the long run.
2: Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Because I think a lot of times, like, I know, and a lot of people know what they don't want, But I don't know like really what I want specifically. Like I have like a general idea, but that could be a blanket statement for so many people to fall into that. And I think that's why it's so hard to know like, is this worth my time? Is this person worth my time? And then you kind of either brush people off too quickly or get invested into something for a long time that maybe isn't worth your time. And sometimes to your point, those things can help prepare you for the next person that might be worth it. And you've kind of learned things about yourself to make you ready for that person. But sometimes, maybe not
1: 100%, you know, and and honestly, I, I feel very lucky, because I've had a really good mom, who was really affectionate towards me, and she gave me lots of love. And, uh, you know, some people might agree with this or not, but I'm a big believer that you kind of believe you learn how to love the opposite sex from your parents you know it's a big part of your upbringing it's like if you have a good relationship you know if you're a a boy and you have a good relationship with your mom and she's affectionate and caring and it's positive then when you get older and you start dating you kind of transfer some of the things that you've learned about how to deal with the opposite sex in that way not to be creepy or saying that you know you want to have sex with your parents but (laughs) there's there's some there's some of that that happens you know there's you know there's some of that process that's learned. And through having this really, you know, loving and caring mom who was, you know, really there for me a lot, I always found it really easy to relate to girls and to women. So what that did for me when I grew up is that it made dating easy for me. I felt comfortable putting myself in those situations and being open about myself and being open to um, those situations and, and, you know, not worrying so much about the things that I think a lot of people get stuck on when they start dating. And because I've had that, I feel like I've gotten, I've been lucky to be able to have had a lot of experiences, um, which helped me learn a lot, you know, and even still through all those, those experiences, it still was really hard, you know? So I I do a hundred percent agree with, you know, what you just said about understanding what it is that you need and what you want. And to be honest with you, There's something that I've learned for myself. And I think that this is, you know, again, it's like you said, it's a a blanket statement, which, you know, isn't always going to be great for everyone. But I would say that you could say that what people usually fixate on when they're looking for uh, like a long term partner, things like, you know, looks, money, certain uh, connections with, you know, certain interests, things like that like those are important to a certain extent. Like, you know, obviously you want to have a sexual attraction to your partner. Um, you don't want someone that, you know, is, if, if you know, you like living a certain type of lifestyle, you don't want someone that is going to constantly drag you down and you have to work four times as hard to support. You know, all these things have to be in line to a certain certain degree. But I think that there's a big space there that people don't allow themselves to kind of take as far as a range of, settling a little bit more or a little bit less with something that maybe they wouldn't thought to be as perfect because you know for instance especially like you know sexual attraction like sexual attraction is really important and it's one of the first things that pulls people together when you're in a relationship you know it's instinctually built into us because it's it's an evolutionary tool that helps us come together you know so that so that we have this like you know script in the back of our head that makes us you know hook up and have children and so therefore the species keeps going. You know, and that's pretty much what happens in all of the animal world, including us, except what happened with us is that we got really smart and we got to a point where we started kind of outthinking that process and started putting all these boundaries and limitations and expectations and rules and all these social norms and all these ways that we, you know, categorize everything and think that it's supposed to be like this. And what happens, I think, in a lot of times is that kind of gets in the middle of, uh, of the process. Um, and I think you could actually even argue that about monogamy in general too, you know, that could, on on the flip side, you know, it's like, I think that also, that's why, you know, some people have a hard time with, with long-term relationships is a, because maybe they're not ready to be monogamous or maybe because they uh, think that they're supposed to be monogamous. So they jump at monogamy with the wrong person easier than they should and, and stuff like that. Um, but All of this to say that I think the really the most important thing is when you're looking for a partner is uh, is actually more simple than I think a lot of people think and it's really about how much you agree with the other person about things that upset you or don't upset you meaning like can you live harmonious with someone on top of each other for years and years and years more than that means you know that we want to have sex all the time Or that we don't want to have sex all the time it's it's more i think you know are you going to get upset if i think this way and i act like this or are you going to get upset if you think this way or you act like that um you know the the very simple ways that we like live with each other and coexist are the things that i actually think are most important you know for instance this is a silly example but you know like you know i make a lot of music Um, and in my music process, I, you know, I have a lot of late nights where I'm sitting in front of, you know, my computer or an instrument and I'm sitting there making music. And this has happened to me endless amounts of times where, you know, in other relationships, uh, you know, it's, you know, maybe it's, you know, Sunday nights, you know, partying all weekend, whatever, been making music. It's Sunday night now it's like 10 PM. And my girlfriend at the time is like, you know, Hey, I'm going to bed. I'm tired. You know, will you come hang out with me? Uh, you know, come and I'm like, yo, listen, I will. I'll be there. You know, just give me like another half hour. I'm going to just gonna, like keep doing this for a minute and then I'll be up there. And if for whatever reason that night I end up, you know, just being so enthralled in what I'm doing that I end up staying up another, you know, eight hours making music. And then my girlfriend wakes up, and there's been a lot of situations where in past relationships, then that turns into a big, big fight, you know, and it's like, I don't care about you because I didn't come to bed and because you know i betrayed you and i don't care about you when realistically that's not true like i loved all those people very much and i was just really into what i was doing you know music is my life it's my passion something i'm interested in it has nothing to do with my affection for that person or not having affection for that person as opposed to britney who you know same exact scenario and you know she'll be like hey can you come to bed soon i'd love to kind of you know just like get some downtime with you you know we've been up, you know, doing this all weekend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a half hour. And then sure enough, you know, eight hours, she wakes up and she comes out and I'm still right there. And she just, you know, gives me a kiss on the cheek, you know, gives me a big hug and goes to work and doesn't say anything about it. And I'm not saying that she is right and the other people were wrong, um, that you should have, you know, it was right for me to do it. It wasn't right for me. It was right for them to be upset. I'm saying is that our alignment of, being on the same page as far as what is really emotionally going to affect us on like a deeper level is in the same place. Understand? Yeah. Like she doesn't get mad at things that I don't, you know,
2: that makes a lot of sense. And that goes for, like, just a lot of things, even just like preference, like, sometimes I take a long time to respond to texts. Right. Some people are okay with that. Some people want a response every two seconds and need yeah. to be talked to all day. Like, yeah. I am not the girl for you. If that's what you need. Like, you know what I mean? Like even little things like that, totally. like those things build up over time, I think. And that can even cause like a volcano eruption in a relationship. So I yeah. completely understand what you're saying.
1: <laughs> yeah, you nailed it on the head. You know, it's like at the beginning, it's like, oh, I want someone that's hot or I want someone that is successful or I want someone that, you know, fits this mold and then after you know like you're together with for them for a year or two years you know this the, the initial sexual attraction you know is still there but it can fade you know after a while or like you know you're worrying about your work and you know you're not who cares if they're you know a fucking famous person or if they're a lawyer or whatever it is they are what you care about is like hey why don't you put the fucking dishes in the dishwasher after you got done making food you know or like why don't you take off your shoes when you walk into the house you know or like hey you know, I needed to be quiet after this this hour because I need to wake up at a certain time. You know, like those are the things that really, I think, connect with people. And I would say even, I mean, for me, like one of the biggest things was being nice. You know, that's something that I really value, you know, and like I want a partner that's nice. Yep. That like doesn't fucking talk shit to people, doesn't get on people's cases for no reason, doesn't start fucking problems for no reason, um, both with me and other people. And then everything else becomes easy, you know, and then you learn to love somebody, you know, because because that's another thing, too, is like love is not. It's not something that you just get for someone when you first meet them. Like you people think that they see someone and they're in their love with them, but they're not like you don't know who that person is. You know, it takes it takes a long time. You know, it takes a couple of years to really know someone for all the hormones to so kind of chill out for your even even us naturally to start really being ourselves, you know, with somebody new, like it takes time. And until you get to that process, you really don't know who you're with, you know, and how things are going to work out. Yeah. Um, So I think it's silly to try to categorize that at the beginning and think this is the box, you know, that I want to be in when you don't really know if that person is even in that box. Yeah. Or furthermore, that you really understand what that box it is that you want to be in, you know?
2: Yeah. And I, I think dating apps also help perpetuate that a little bit because you have so many people you're sifting through and like all you have to go off is what they look like, what they're writing in their bio. And then if you keep talking to them before you meet them, their texting personality, And you're kind of just like going through all these people and it's very surface level. It's very superficial. And then I think people get worn out. And then a lot of times it's like not working out or you're getting to know them in person and realizing like our values aren't on the same page. And then even with the state of politics right now too, like I see in a lot of dating profiles, they're writing like, I'm a liberal, I'm conservative. I've seen people be like, I'm like pro-Trump. Like if you're a liberal, swipe left and like off the bat, that's like weeding out a whole breed of people. So there's just like so many extra layers now. It's not the same as going to a bar. You can have a conversation, kind of like get a gauge of who they are. Like you're just going off of like words.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that. You know, I I would also say that on the other hand, though, that, you know, it's, it's always going to be kind of superficial at the beginning of meeting someone. True. I think what's really what's really wrong with society is um, this. There's like all these pressures in 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 our society that make us think that relationships need to start a certain way, or they need to have a certain certain boundaries and rules that are supposed to be there at the beginning of things. Like, um, I'll probably get ostracized for saying this, but you know, like monogamy right? So like intimacy and intimate monogamy at the beginning of a relationship. Like I understand why, you know, some people feel like this is it. Like if you're dating me, we met yesterday. Now we're dating. Tonight we hooked up. You know, we kissed tonight. Now if I know that you have any sort of conversation with anybody else, then that's it. You know, I hate you. I think that that's a very counterproductive process because to commit completely to somebody that you don't know is not only silly for yourself because you're starting to put all of this weight into something that you have zero clue if it's really gonna work out for you or not. Um, So you're already kind of convincing yourself that you wanna be in this thing that you don't know you want, um, which tends a lot of times to transform into you being in the wrong relationship and then months of fighting and then a breakup and then be like, fuck, I gotta do it again you know that's i think like a cycle that happens a lot but also more is the concept that if you are willing to have a more open intimate relationship with someone at the beginning until you get closer and you get to know them more then for some reason you're some sort of like bad person like you're you know you're sexually promiscuous you're looked down on upon you know by either society or yourself or your friends or You know, you're you're treated as like somehow you're less worthy because you're willing to do this, I think is like detrimental to the dating world. And it's one of the main reasons that people end up just being in this like cycle of being single and not really ever having the opportunity to really meet somebody that they care about. You know, like for me, I learned that when I was younger. And, you know, the moment I would hook up with somebody, I would tell them right off the bat, I would say, listen, I like you. I want to be in an intimate relationship where I'm monogamous, but we don't know each other yet. I need to hang out with you for a while before I can, you know, fully commit and tell you and promise to you that this is, you know, the only thing I want. and I'm 100% sure about it, and that's just me being realistic about myself. It's not because I want to hook up with everybody and I'm just like so horny that I need to fuck everybody. You know, it's like literally because I don't know you yet, and like if I invest in this right now. I'm investing in something that it's a stranger and I'm investing the most important thing that I have, which is my heart, you know? And so I'm giving it to you and I don't know who you are. So like, it's, it makes sense to open, you know, and to kind of give yourself some time to be able to get to that place with somebody. And unfortunately, intimacy and by intimacy, I mean like, you know, like sexual, and it doesn't have to be sex, but even just, you know, like touching and, you know, that intimate connection that you have with somebody is part of getting to know somebody you know, it's part of the process to learn how you feel about that person, you know, and how they are. And so if we put ourselves in a box that doesn't allow us to do that, then we end up I think most of the time just being with the wrong people, you know?
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. And I've been in situations like that on a couple different levels of what you said, just said, I've had situations where I've been with men. And like, I've been up front, like with my past. And like, I've been single for many, many years, like I've only had a couple of relationships. So I've been with you know people like a, a decent number of people and the reactions i get are how could you not care about yourself that you let yourself be used like that it's crazy like reactions like that where it's like i haven't let myself be used like that was a choice that i made like it's a mutual you know a mutual choice so
0: yeah
2: like it's like kind of gross to me that that's your reaction and then i've also had situations where i've been like very upfront with guys um, that i've been interested in dating but exactly what you just said, like I'm not ready yet. Like I don't know how I feel. Or I've had I've just had situations in my life where maybe I'm like moving or um I just have like some stress triggers and I'm like, I'm not ready to invest in you. I have other things going on and I've been like kind of forced into a relationship and it's just like crumbled and burned to the ground because like I've been open and upfront. It's like not what they want to hear. Yeah. Or they agree with what I'm saying because they think if they disagree that it's gonna cause problems when we just need to have a commute like an open communicative conversation and either way there's just been like issues it's which is bizarre to me because i feel like if i'm being open and honest with you like you should be open and honest back but uh, there's something with relationships i think to your point where people just feel like they can't or they're going to get like rejected yeah even when they're dating someone so
1: yeah yeah Yeah, and and like that's, I think that's a really, really big problem. You know, I think that's why there's so many people that are having a hard time really finding the proper partner because they're stuck because then you wait, you know, then so then you go through three months of being in the wrong relationship. And then because chances are, if you date 100 people, 99 of them are the wrong person, (laughs) you know, so you're gonna have to go through all those people before you find the right person. And so like, you know, if you have to take Five months between every single one of those, 30 years are going to pass before you're lucky enough to find the right one. If you are lucky enough and if you have the awareness to understand it and if both people are in the right headspace to be able to accept it and move forward with it. You know, there's like so much like love is so fucking hard. It's like one of the most important things that humans have. It's like the driving factor in most of us. It's one of the most difficult things to really, really find in a really healthy way. And there's like all these barriers that we're putting in front of ourselves to be able to, to, to reach it, you know, and that's crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, the only thing that anyone should ever feel bad about doing with love is is being dishonest. You know, that's the only thing you should really feel bad about. Like, if you want to fuck a thousand people at the same time and you tell the people that you're having sex that that's what you're doing and, you know, and you let them understand that that's what's happening, you shouldn't feel bad about that at all. If you want to fuck a thousand people and you lie to every single one of them about it, saying that they're the only person, then that's when, you know, the problem.
2: Right. And I, and I feel like people lie because they think that they have to, because they think telling the truth is worse. And I'm like, if you telling the truth to someone and them getting upset and rejecting you is what happens and they shouldn't be, then they're not someone you should, they you should be with at the end of the day. And, And you're saving you and them something in the, in the long run. Like we're not all meant to be with each other. We're not all compatible. I'm sure people like I find some people unattractive. I'm sure they find me unattractive and I'm sure like I don't mesh with some people and they don't mesh with me. And I'd rather find that out of the bat than like wasting my time and their time. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. So hundred percent. Totally. You know, and I think that goes also back to the expectations and, you know, it's like these expectations that we have on what we think is good for us in, in defining a partner when realistically, most of the times those expectations are actually hurdles that we're putting in front of ourselves, you know, yeah, there's a really, really good book that I read, um, after high school called The Ethical Slut. I don't know if you've ever heard of it.
2: It sounds familiar.
1: Um, it's it's a really, really, really great book. It's, it's a great book that was written by a lesbian couple. And it's pretty much the basis of polyamory. You know, it's, it's they're talking about having open relationships. And it's not really about promoting open relationships, or that people should be in them specifically. It's just a story about how they treat their open relationship and the way that they explain how they look at love and honesty and respect with when you have intimacy with somebody and the different ways that that can be for different people you know and again it's not about being promiscuous it's not about being with multiple people it's not about being with one person it's really just about being honest you know with yourself and with the partners that you're with and it was it was a book that really 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 helped me kind of navigate through some of these concepts and understand things I really highly recommend it for anyone that's trying to like understand maybe better ways to approach love and in, in kind of those those phases, you know, check it out.
2: Yeah. And speaking of that and like helping people navigate through these things, I want to hear about your experience working at that company that helped people navigate love. <laughs> basically. Yeah. So what was that like?
1: It was actually a really, really great experience. I had originally, uh, I was working for this company that was kind of like a general digital marketing company. And I was doing design work for them. I would make like, you know, graphics for for advertisements and stuff like that. And this company was pretty big. And they kind of took on different projects. And you know, when there was little internet businesses, you know, bustling around, they would kind of, you know, pull them in and, and work with them. And um, you know, they would start ones of their own. And there was this project that I was working on for quite a while, um, which was essentially, I don't want to call it a school because it wasn't really a school, but just kind of like a, a program that helped people understand how to better navigate attraction and uh, the initial phases of, you know, kind of meeting people. It's a very weird subject because, you know, obviously, I'm sure you've heard of the whole like pickup culture, yeah, which was really big for a while. I don't know if it is still it is now. But It was really, really big for a while. And, you know, there was definitely a lot of horrible information going around through those processes. A lot of like really, you know, chauvinist, like just men, you know, trying to like hook up and and whatever. Um, But there was also a big side of it too that was actually kind of a whole different viewpoint. And there's been a lot, you know, of this, uh, of people really trying to understand on deeper levels, you know, how does attraction work and, you know, why is it that some people have a really hard time with it? And it's unfortunate that sometimes these two things kind of get boxed into the same into the same category, you know. Specifically, essentially, in a nutshell, what we did was, you know, we took people and I should say most of the people that we worked with were men. There was some women as well, but most of them were men. We essentially took people that had really, really hard times opening up and being able to connect with people on those initial stages of intimacy, you know. So... This is like people that were like, you know, in their late 20s and their 30s and even 40s who had never ever kissed anyone in their life, you know, that like successful, attractive, really kind, just nice people that for whatever reason, through their upbringing and through their experiences in life, were battling with the ability to be able to be intimate with someone, especially in those initial phases, right, that like initial moment when you you first need to build up the courage to go talk to somebody and, and try to kind of get through that beginning phase. And literally, you know, I saw some of the most unbelievable things in the world like you know, we would, we would do these things where we would have these, we can go as deep into like how it actually worked um, as you want. Um, but mainly, what, you know, there was these experiences where I would see these, these men, you know, it's like the 35 year old guy, you know, he's like, sitting there you know before like we're we're going to have we'd have these sessions where it was all online but there would be those like community meetup things where we would like kind of group up together in like in chicago and um you know we we would they would kind of like be thinking about the things that they've been talking about and learning and focusing on and then they would go out and try to meet people and uh you know with the help of these coaches you know that were there as well that were kind of helping pushing them a little bit you know kind of like nudging them a little bit and talking to them through through some of the insecurities that they had and so we were doing the marketing so we would do like before and after videos of like you know hey i'm john you know i'm 36 i'm you know an accountant i uh you know i've never had a chance to hook up with a girl i really really want love in my life it's really important to me but you know i just you know haven't had the ability to find it and i've had a really hard time getting close to people uh you know so i'm hoping that this will help me and then we would go out you know and through these processes they would end up meeting somebody and like kiss a girl or like get a phone number and then like afterwards they're like bawling like crying like 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 oh my god 40 years you know of like tension and like difficulty like having these huge hurdles in their lives trying to overcome them and then all of a sudden they're just pushed in the right way and kind of taught to focus on things in a certain way and now they are able to have you know an intimate experience with you know a, a girl or someone of the opposite sex and they're like literally their whole lives are like completely changed you know it's like yeah. I saw these people's faces it was like it was one of the most amazing and beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life, you know? Yeah. And it's sad because this whole process also gets kind of shamed on a little bit, you know? It's like if you feel – and it was actually, to be honest with you, the, the, the company ended up not working. That This project ended up failing because what we learned is that even men, most of them aren't willing to look for help when it comes to understanding love and dating because you have to like instantly admit that you have a problem. Right. So you have to, you have to like vocalize to the world that you can't do this and you need help from somebody else. And that already is such a huge attack on your own ego and publicly that it stops most people that could really benefit from this process from moving forward and and, and finding help, you know?
2: Yeah, that's wild. I was going to ask, like, if any, like, do you know if any of them were successful? I know the company failed, but were any of those guys like successful after like, did any of the relationships? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, No, definitely, definitely. So we, we did this for a few years. And we definitely saw a bunch of people that ended up, you know, moving forward and kind of getting out of their funks, especially because, you know, most of these people that have these issues, it's not like people that this was kind of tailored towards a specific type of person that had kind of like anxiety when it came to those initial interactions. It wasn't like people that had like deep emotional problems and, you know, every time they got in a relationship ended up fucking burning the house down or whatever. (laughs) It also wasn't people that like, you know, are just too busy for it or whatever. It was kind of tailored towards specifically towards people that had anxieties about these initial phases, you know. And thankfully, the way to get over that anxiety, you know, is really just to kind of like talk through a few things and then just kind of push people into the pool you know it's kind of like just jump and once you jump then you're like oh okay this isn't that bad i can talk to another person i can be nice you know and they're being nice to me and they're not monsters they're actually like really nice people that are you know wanting to talk to me and from there then the dynamic quickly shifts and then all of a sudden you you're fine you know because again these people were, were perfectly normal people that were most of really awesome people you know that had so much to offer so once they got over the initial like you know nervousness and the edge and, and the this hurdle that they had in front of them which by the way year after year after year after year in your 20s and then your 30s gets turned into this big mountain that's in front of you yep once they manage to get over it they're like oh it's actually not that hard you know and then things would work out for them
2: yeah i feel like chicago's a good place to pilot that too if people are nice i feel like in la it might be a little more difficult, just with some personalities here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that, you know. And, you know, I don't know, it's, there's a lot of psychological things that go into being able to be openly attractive as a person, and also understanding kind of how attraction works is a big thing. And I think, uh, unfortunately, there's some like, games you have to play that have been placed on us, you know, in, a, in this society and certain expectations that people have that make you fit some sort of mold that makes you more attractive or makes you have a better chance of succeeding when you when you talk to a stranger in, in, in some sort of social setting. And it sucks, to be honest with you, because I think that, um, you know, that that impairs a lot of people and, and not not even just the people that are not Having a hard time, you know, getting through these processes, but also all the other people that are looking for love that are ignoring these people um, when these people could very well be the answer to their, you know, all their love dreams. You know, um, they're kind of like prejudging that situation and those people for these things that don't really make sense. I think, but you know, thankfully they are things that you can talk about and help people get through. And I think there should also be a big open discussion with people that don't have these issues and are possibly open to thinking about how they can shift their perception of how they judge or value someone that they don't really even know yet Yeah. when you first talk to someone. And like, I think that would be a big benefit for themselves too, because, you know, I also have, uh, I have a good amount of friends, you know, that are really just like unbelievable people, like unbelievable people, like some of the sweetest, nicest, successful. You know, just like the best people. And they have a hard time finding love because, you know, maybe they don't fit exactly the mold that you would expect. And it kind of takes that right person to show up that can have the maturity to kind of look past through some of these silly things to see who they are. And then all of a sudden be rewarded with this beautiful person that's going to love them for the rest of their lives and it's going to make them happy. And I think that it's sad. Not just for these people that I'm talking about that have these issues, but also for all the other people that I have that are friends that don't have these problems, but are single forever and are struggling constantly to find love. And that's all they want to do. And they just can't do it. And, you know, because it's such a complicated process. And. It's just, you know, like all the things that we've been talking about, like all these boundaries that you put in front of yourself, including this, you know, to really kind of see what is out there for you.
2: Yeah. And like you were saying before, there's like societal pressures and norms too. Like the guy is supposed to, um, in like heterosexual relationships, like the guy is supposed to approach the girl. Yeah. Sometimes, like sometimes, like I'll approach a guy at the bar, but some, and some guys are open to that and a lot of them aren't. Yeah. Like a lot of guys are turned off by that. So, and, but you don't know that until, you, you know, you figure it out by going up to them. Yeah. Um. So it's like, what's right? What's right? What's wrong? Everyone has their own preference. And then it's also, I think about the environment that you're in, like talking to someone and meeting them at a bar, I think is again, what you were saying earlier about like by comment on dating apps, like that's a lot more surface level than I think meeting someone through a party at someone's house, like a cl- intimate gathering or Even like an underground event, I feel like a lot more connected to those people because we're all doing a common interest or, and I'm sure someone there knows a friend of mine or something like that versus like if I'm out in Santa Monica or Venice at like the bungalow, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think all those factors yeah. play into it, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's important for people to be aware of that because let's, let's say, you know, let's, for instance, okay, let's take it even more to an extreme. Let's say, you know, you're over at a friend's house and there's like an intimate gathering of friends. There's like 10 people there and you meet somebody. The chances of you wanting to communicate with that person and kind of get to know them a little bit better and being open to having a conversation with that person and possibly, you know, maybe see if it's worth going somewhere else with it. Are much higher. You're much more open to that than if it's some random person that walks up to you at a bar, right? Yeah. That just starts talking to you, um, and then we can take it on to Tinder or whatever. I don't even know what the dating <laughs> apps are these days, but is Tinder still a thing? It is, right? Yeah, it's around. Even more, you know, even more so, as opposed to like a cold call. You know, if I'm just start putting letters in people's you know mailboxes saying, "Hey, I'm David. You want to date?" You know, like there's like this the space of whether you are opening yourself up to having that uh, experience with that person and allowing yourself to get to know who that person is. And, you know, we're right now talking about how these two people could always be exactly the same. They might even be the most compatible people in the world. But, you know, with the intimate home setting, then the chances of you actually bring it to the next level are here. Then when you go to a bar, they're here. Then you go into nerdy here. Then you go with like cold calling. It's here, right? But realistically, that person is still that person and that person still had the opportunity to give you the things that you wanted, right? So this whole concept of us judging whether it's worth or not our time to give this person our attention, I think is counterproductive. Yeah. Short of them, you know, coming up to you and punching you in the face or like <laughs> doing something god awful in front of you, you know, that is, is hurtful, yeah, then you don't really know who this person is. And I don't think that we should ever be penalized for being open or being direct, or wanting to have uh, as much opportunities as we can to be able to find the right person, especially because it's so hard. Like the chances of finding someone that's really good for you like is so complicated. Even if you were completely like, you know, let's say from now on, you have to spend a week with a new person every week for the next 20 years, you know, where you're forced to be intimate with those people, you'd still have a hard time finding someone that is really going to be long-term good for you, right? Yeah. So any barriers that we're putting in front of ourselves is just, you know, exponentially and making it more complicated for us to find love, you know, real love.
2: Yeah. And even like myself included, like I've been trying to be more open to people like who have asked for my number and approached me that maybe like off the bat, they're not like my my type in quotations. Like I've been accepting of it. And then I think I think people just get afraid or fear of rejecting because there's been times where like, I get frustrated because I'm like, okay, like, I'm, I'm open to this. I've agreed to go on the date. We'll, we'll like, set, like, you know, a, a time frame and then I don't hear from them. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, but then it's kind of like goes both ways because they said, okay, this weekend. But then I also never followed up. So it's like one of those, like, are we both just scared of rejection?
0: Yeah. Like, is
2: that what's happening? Like, do we both, like, not care enough? we don't know each other that well. So who's to blame? Is anyone to blame? You know, so those situations I think happen a
1: lot too. Yeah, I would say no, I would think that like, you know, I think especially at those initial phases, you should expect people to be a little less reliable. Um, You know, you haven't built a bond yet. So you're still, you know, it's normal for people to kind of like brush things off or be like, Oh, shit, something else came up, and I should have called this person or whatever. And I didn't. I think that, If you want to empower yourself to really find love, you should be aggressive, you know, like with a respectful (laughs) way, you know, in a respectful and not way that could end up, you know, really like turning somebody off, I guess. But um, you should take that first step, you know, and it's in your best interest because, you know, just because maybe that person didn't call you this weekend doesn't mean that they're not a great person. And it doesn't mean that they might not end up being someone that's really worth spending time with, you know. So give yourself the best chance you have, you know, and, and go for it. You know, it's like a job interview, you know, or like anything else that you want in your life. It's like, you know, like things don't come super easy, you know, especially things that are really important. Like you have to work towards things and you have to be committed to them and you have to push yourself into them. And just because the other side or your goal isn't always just like handed to you on a plate, doesn't mean that it's not worth fighting for it doesn't mean that your expectations of what that thing is, is different from what you thought it was. And it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen for you.
2: That all makes sense, too. Because like, there's also been times where I've meant to respond and like, life gets crazy, and you forget. And I think people just get bitter. because so They're scared, again, like scared of rejection. And we all just need to remember, we're all people and it has nothing to do with like you said before, it has nothing to do with you sometimes, like, yeah, sometimes, you know, just things happen but yeah dating I think absolutely. just adds a whole nother like if I did that to my friend they wouldn't care when you add like the context of dating on top it just like changes everything
1: totally absolutely you know and rejection's a big thing you know and that's something that I mean it's a tell it's it's also kind of like confidence you know confidence is like self-esteem and confidence are kind of the the, the backbones of you know being able to have a healthy dating experience at the beginning of dating i mean like not so much necessarily when you're like know someone well but at the beginning you know people that are most confident and most strong inside of themselves um that you know are less afraid of of rejection and um you know aren't so worried about what other people think about them are most likely going to have the ability to have more experiences yeah and probably are going to put themselves in situations where they have more opportunities And that's really kind of like what you need to do to be able to get, you know, to a place that you want to be. Having said that, obviously, that's not something that everybody can control. And I feel really, really bad for a lot of people, like it's really sad for so many people that find it really hard to feel good about themselves, Um, especially when it comes to intimacy, because um, it's unbelievably crippling, I'm sure, for a lot of people. And it's also the most valuable thing that I could imagine on earth, you know? So yeah, I I feel that, you know, and I guess people should, and that's kind of like goes back to what I was doing with this company, you know, is like people that had these kind of, these things and, and kind of reminding people that you are who you are because of your actions and because of the way that you carry yourself and the way that you treat other people, not because of how a stranger Judges you, you know, yeah, and that's something that's not always easy to remember, but it's important because if that person that you really liked, you know, you, you you meet somebody at a bar, you have a a good time with them, you know, you kind of start something starting to bustle and then you're like, okay, you exchange phone numbers, you know, hey, call me on this weekend, let's hang out. And then you're like, oh shit, should I text that person? Oh wait, no, I'm not gonna do that because then I'm gonna feel needy. So I'm gonna wait a couple days. I'm gonna let them text me first. Oh wait, now it's Friday. We haven't texted each other. Should I text them? Should I not text them? What if they don't like me? What's going on? All the shits like going on in your fucking brain when like you have, you barely know this person, you know? Yep. And if that person decides that they don't like you, or let's say you do text them, you know, the day after, and they don't write you back, and you feel shitty inside because you like this person and you thought that it could have been going somewhere. I think it's really important for you to remind yourself that you don't fucking know this person. And if this person doesn't have a, the, the awareness or the like, drive to want to get to know you better, and they're already judging you for whatever reason without giving you a chance, and they're fucking stupid, and you don't want to be with that person anyway. You know, I mean, unless you just like being with assholes, you know? Yeah. So that's important to kind of like remind yourself, you know?
2: Yeah, I think exactly. I feel like we can't, like there's no way to solve this dating problem. And it happens like it's a problem everywhere. And I think it truly is like your mindset and how you view the situation. And I think it is changing. It really is like not to be cliche, like the saying, "It's it's, it's not you, it's me. Like it really is them. Like it is not you again like you're not going to be compatible with everyone and i think like someone ghosting you or not responding to you is just doing you a favor earlier on in the process that they're not the right person for you or showing their true colors like sooner than later and just as people just need to change their mindset of it's nothing to do with you as a person and like they're just like for you it's just knowing like hey I'm not compatible with them and I should move on to someone else that I'm probably more compatible with.
1: Yeah. And what's the point of getting hung up on it? You know? And also on the other side, if you're the type of person that, you know, after having a short interaction with someone and you maybe initially agree to possibly see them again, and then all of a sudden you decide that wait, no, I'm not attracted to that person, you should also stop yourself and be like, hey, wait a minute, you know, like maybe I am and I should let myself to get a chance to get to know that person, you know, because you're right. When that person kind of doesn't reciprocate and doesn't show you, you know, is is pushing you away right off the bat. You're right. You're right now. We're not compatible because your mindset is like this. But maybe if you opened up your mind, we could be really compatible because that's the bottom line is like compatibility has nothing to do with what we think and know about each other. When we don't know each other, it like comes later. Like we learn that later. So at the beginning, it's all just a bunch of fucking nonsense that we're like building in our own heads.
0: Yeah. I,
2: I don't think unless you have a, a terrible, awful first date where they're say saying like super misogynistic things or it just goes terribly wrong, like right. you need more than one date, at least two or three to really know, like, yeah. do we have the same values? Are we meshing well before you really write off a person? So I try to at least give everyone two dates personally.
1: That's very wise of you, you know? <laughs> Thank you, of course. And like, think about you, you know, doing this and like doing this podcast, you know, and like having just conversations about this shit, you know, and like being open about it and talking about it and really trying to think about like where everything is and where it stands is already giving you so much more strength and such an upper hand and being able to get closer to what it is that you want and need and, and can find, you know? Think about all the people that don't have that, you know, that aren't they're like scared to even talk about these things.
2: I think it's interesting too, hearing like how it is in every place, because living in L.A. where you have people that are from like Chicago, like Milwaukee, Vegas, and knowing like where they're coming from and how it is there can give you insight onto who they are as a person, like what they're used to as well. I think because like, again, like I came from Philly, I was used to a certain type of person and environment. So like coming to LA with this type of person and environment was like jarring for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure it is for other people too. And I think that hearing different experiences of what it's like can just help us all learn and grow from each other.
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think that that's the best thing you can do is learn how things work, you know, outside of what you're used to. And not just because so you can better navigate where you are but also to grow as a person yep. you know to like understand yeah. oh wait but maybe it doesn't have to be this way you know maybe it could be like that instead or you no know, maybe I haven't thought about whether this is really something I want to be doing or not and maybe if I think about it I might come up with a different answer than I, I just had popped in my head originally you know like there's so many different ways to do things and I think that's that's the best way you know is to come together and to learn from each other
2: yeah I'm hoping the world will get there one day
1: (laughs) I mean do you feel like you're a person that wants to be in a long-term relationship at some point or do you prefer kind of like not having the, you know the the worries of responsibility I guess of being like responsible to someone
2: I'm not opposed to it if it's the right person I think just similar to you I've just been with the wrong people Um, I've been forced into relationships before I've been ready. I've been with um, pretty toxic people in in the past. And when I've been found people that I've been interested in, we just haven't been on the same page of when we've been ready or it's just like timing wise, like just things like never seem to work out. So I, like I said, like I'm really busy a lot of the time. So I just, you know, I'm open to it, but I need someone that, like, I guess kind of similar to you that can like Let me do my own thing sometimes and not need me all the time. And I end up tending to be with like the needy people, um, Mm. (laughs) for whatever reason that I end up like providing for. And I think that's like a learning I have recently discovered about that's just like what I gravitate towards. And I think I need to pull away from that and find someone more independent. So again, like something I just learned about myself but I'm just not an app person. I'm more of an in-person person. person. So now that things are starting to open up with more with COVID, I think that'll help me a lot because like during COVID, it was like very difficult.
1: Oh God, it must be a nightmare. must have been hard for single people during COVID. It's sad.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, everything was shut down. Yeah. And then you pretty much had dating apps. Yeah. But like in COVID, it's just hard because this is like winter last year when like things were spiking, like there's variants and I like don't know you. I don't know who you're with. You know, I'm trying to protect myself. Like vaccines aren't out. So it's just like, I'm trying to be careful and I'm not going to like be bouncing around my personal preference, nothing against anyone who made yeah, those yeah, choices, yeah. but like, that's just not, not, not something I was looking to, to do for myself. So it was just, yeah, of course, weird time.
1: Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I guess like the reason I had asked you earlier about, you know, whether you wanted to be in a relationship or not is, you know, you're, you're a super awesome person and it seems to me you know that you have a really big heart and you have a lot to offer somebody and you know there's a lot of toxic people out there that are very hurtful and have a really hard time like helping their partners and instead cause all sorts of problems for them and you know you you are a really sweet person so i think you really deserve to find somebody that is like you and you know can give you the things that that i think you you would want i also see that A lot of people that have really big hearts that want love and this is me too you know it's like you end up not having success so then you start kind of telling yourself that you don't maybe want it that way or that you're not you know that you you start kind of working around it um and finding reasons why to maybe not pursue it in certain ways. And I think that that can hurt us sometimes, you know? I don't know, I guess I see a a lot of, and again, this isn't you specifically, but I I see people that want love and then don't have success with it, and then they start to kind of like back away from actively pursuing it in a way that is, more like fruitful for them, I guess. I don't know if I'm like digging myself in a hole here. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but
2: no, I do. I mean, that's the point I'm at right now. I work a full time job. I'm doing this like pretty much in my free time. Yeah. Like I have other things going on. So that's why I'm not like actively looking for anything. But if someone like, if I was at an event, like I was saying before, and like was talking to someone and they seemed to be pretty cool and we drived and they wanted to hang out, I wouldn't necessarily say no. Like that's like where I'm at right now. But I wouldn't be like, like I know I have some friends that go on dates every night Yeah, like that's their prior that's their priority, yeah, and th- that's just like not where I'm at. I'm not like trying to push it away, but I just have other things I'm focusing on, and that might hurt me also because I'm thirty, yeah, I think it's harder when you get older, so I realize that, but I don't know, I just didn't need a break
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I understand it's it's, it's hard, you know and, and i I've been in that situation a lot too when I was like, no, fuck this like i this is too, it's too, I put too much energy into this without like the proper results that like I needed to fucking think about something else right now you know because it could also be really consuming you know yeah to like put all your energy into something like that and, and finding the right person I guess just don't don't let yourself get jaded by not having had the success that you've wanted you know because you deserve somebody that loves you and there's definitely a lot of people out there that that are ready to love you in a way that I think you you would be happy with, you know? And that goes for all of us.
2: Yeah, just gotta find them. And be open to finding them.
1: Right. Both things. Which unfortunately <laughs> means also, you know, actively like searching and
2: actively trying.
1: Yeah. I just like know? to
2: do it in person. I just sure. don't like doing it online.
1: <laughs> you should do like a speed dating thing. Have you ever done one of those?
2: I would have a meltdown
1: <laughs> if I did really? speed dating. It's oh, too much pressure. I've never done one, but it sounds so fun it sounds fun have you seen a uh, love on the spectrum no the spectrum? i've heard of it though on netflix oh my god you should watch it it's the most unbelievable thing and it ties so much into everything that we're talking about right now it's about okay. um you know people that are on the autistic spectrum that are are having a hard time finding dating or finding love um and speed dating is one of the things that they do in it and it's just like so it just looks—it looks like a mess, but also uh, super fun all at the same time. That's a way for you to meet people in person, you know.
2: That's true. Maybe if I had someone to go with me, I would do it.
1: I mean, it's only like a couple minutes. You just like get to talk to someone for like five minutes, and then they walk away. You know, that's it.
2: I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to cover off on?
1: The only other thing I did want to mention, though, is that I do think that um, I don't really know how how men are perceived so much these days, like in the dating world. But I do know that men, there's a, there's a lot of like um, stereotype and men being more just about like, you know, sex and not wanting to be like, you know, in deeper relationships. And I just wanted to say that from my perspective, I think that that's not necessarily true. Um, even though there are, of course, there's a lot of guys that are coming for that. There also are a lot of guys that are really sweet and really want to be in like, caring, like honest and respectful love. So. That's it, you know. Power those guys. I guess you know.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard because as soon as like there is that stereotype, and as soon as women find a couple of them, they do get jaded, and then just kind of like blanket it across everyone. And then when we find that nice guy, they're either too nice sometimes, or we just assume that something a shoe is going to drop. Right. So, yeah, I think that can be hard sometimes for them. because I'm sure once if that happens to them, then they might get jaded and the cycle repeats. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I would assume.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think generally people underestimate how hard it can be for some guys to be open and to approach women when they first meet them. It's hard for everyone, but... For some silly reason, like I think kind of like the general dynamic is that, you know, the guy goes up to the girl and starts talking to her. And um, I think that a lot of guys have a really hard time with that more than people maybe think and more than a lot of even guys are willing to admit. And I think that also pushes them to maybe not know how to do it properly (laughs) in a way that's like actually attractive and wants to be accepted you know so um i think that should be more part of the conversation you know it's like even or or even just like wanting to be intimate you know and like feeling like you're a bad person if you want to say that you know to somebody or, or that you're attracted to someone um then all of a sudden you're like some sort of like gross person because that's what you're saying i think that there's a lot of kind of like social things that are happening that are making it harder for people to be themselves, I guess. And I don't know. There's a lot of good guys out there. I have a lot of good male friends that should find love. I mean, do you think like that generally, like when there's a, like a new scenario, men or women have more of kind of like the, the power, I guess. You know what I mean? Like in an, in, a, in an interaction, there's always kind of like an alpha person or someone that kind of has more of the control. Um,
2: so I was thinking about this a lot and I think it depends. I think it honestly is just a mindset thing because I think sometimes I feel like I'm in control, but it just depends on how I perceive the other person. And then a lot of times I feel like they're in control and it has to do, and it's all very surface level because it just depends on like, if I think that they're better than me or not which sounds mm-hmm. awful, but like there's, and again, this is based on just like very surface level interactions. Like I'll be out and if a guy approaches me and I'm like not interested in him, I think I have all, I think I have total control of the situation. Mm-hmm. There's other times where if a guy approaches me and I'm like really nervous and I of the situation, like, I think he's like, again, superficial, super attractive, or he starts talking and like he, I think he's way smarter than me or something like that. Then I just like, Get self conscious and think that like he has more power. Or if I approach him, I think he's in control of the situation and not me. Right. I really think it's yeah. my mindset.
1: No, but that's true. You know, it's kind of almost like if someone is, is if someone's moving forward and like trying, then the other person naturally like feels like they're more control and kind of moves backwards. You know, it's like, yeah, cool thing. I think that that's also really sad though, because that's, uh, that confuses things. You know, it's like, <laughs> exactly you know, it's like, why? I don't know. I wish there was a way to kind of work through that and make it easier for people to feel like uh, it's okay to want somebody. Um, and also not to feel turned off by somebody that likes you. You know, yeah. it's like, if you like me too fast, too soon, then I don't like you, you know, one really, maybe you're just open about your feelings. And that's it, you know?
2: It's yeah, it's like, it's all these like weird mind games and like personal preference, like it's in societal, like norms just all combined into like this weird dynamic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing a good job helping people understand. I got to say in this podcast, like when, when you first started and I started listening, there was a, it was a really great insight on kind of like how, you know, girls are thinking about dating and stuff. And, you know, obviously everyone's different, but, it's not very often that guys get to kind of get uh, more inside kind of line in the conversation of what girls are thinking when they're dating. So I think you should really push more men to listen to your podcast because um, I think it'll make them understand women better and uh, in turn, make them able to be more uh, honest and kind of being, or not honest, but be more in line with, you know, what, The differences are between us and how to kind of break some of those barriers down.
2: I've been trying. (laughs) I'll ask more.
1: Yeah, you're doing a good job.
2: Okay, so I think that's all the time we have for today. So thanks again, Dave, for joining me. We talked a lot about um, what it's like in Chicago, the just dynamics about love in general and fears about approaching people and how society kind of shapes that between both men and women. And Just had a lot of fluid conversation about that. So I really appreciated you, Dave, joining me today. And thank you again for coming on.
1: Thank you so much. It was really fun.
2: Yes, thank you. See everyone next week. I'd like to thank everyone that's helped make this podcast possible, specifically Kayla McNulty that helped create the podcast, Laura Williamson, Ray Zaragoza, The Kid Inside, Allie Bernstein, Maggie DeBaradine, and Lindsay Weiner that all helped contribute in some sort of way. You can find us on Instagram at west. Send us a DM with any questions, comments, suggestions. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great rest of your week.